0: In the name of the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, amen. A friend of mine is a priest in another diocese now, but I met him as he was serving in the Diocese of Alabama. He's been in ministry longer than I have. He posted on Facebook yesterday that he would be preaching for the fifth time the seventh Sunday of Easter, instead of preaching on John 17, he'd be preaching again on Acts. Now he, I know him, and so his motivation behind this is generally that the message of Jesus's ascension is an integral part we must include in the narrative of the divine story of the Messiah. We know that Jesus came to serve and to heal. He suffered death. He arose from the dead. And he ascended to heaven. That last piece is important to include. But what got my attention was that another priest that I know made a comment that she couldn't stand John 17. And I thought, all right, challenge taken. So I thought today we would explore John chapter 17 as our gospel reading this seventh Sunday in Easter. So maybe something will bubble up in relevance, relevance, relevance. I need more coffee evidently, and inspiration or inspire us to say new words, who knows. In the gospel according to John, we hear Jesus' prayer, prayer to his Father, God for the disciples, and this immediately precedes the passion narrative. So the way this prayer is positioned, it's just at the end or just at the very, you know, just at the cusp before the end of Jesus's ministry. What comes up for me in this is that those threshold moments are times when our, priorita- our priorities can crystallize and become very clear. There was a pop duet that was recorded and written and recorded at the end of 2019 prior to the pandemic, but it was released in April 2020, several weeks into this weird time where even if you might be going into an office, you were probably pretty isolated. We all wore masks pretty much, so it was definitely this odd time. And the name of the song is called If the World Was Ending. If you listen to pop radio stations, you might know this song. I hear it a lot in my house. It was written as if there was an earthquake that was causing major destruction. And as such, two estranged lovers reevaluate their breakup. And these are some of the lyrics. If the world was ending you'd come over, right? The sky'd be falling and I'd hold you tight. And there wouldn't be a reason why we would even have to say goodbye. If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? So I know it's a little love ballad. um, But when interviewed about this apocalyptic love song, which makes me laugh that I get to say that phrase, apocalyptic love song, J.P. Sachs and Julia Michaels, who wrote and performed the song together, said that the piece highlights putting love before everything else. Putting love before everything else. Maybe you've had a clarifying moment when you put love before everything else, when you knew the next right thing without a doubt. One comes to mind for me. It was more than a dozen years ago, probably closer to 14 years ago, before Sam and I had kids, before I could even articulate that I had a call to ordained ministry, I got burned out as a church volunteer I was at the church like four nights a week. It was just too much, and I had to stop going to church for a while. At first, I just thought it was going to be like a summer break. Anybody need a summer break around here? Um, But it stretched into like an 18-month hiatus. Now, being a church nerd, I left church only to go back to church. I would go visit a church with a friend of mine off and on, but Um, One summer morning, I woke up and had some weird physical symptoms, symptoms that were very similar to what my mom first experienced when her cancer um, returned. And I panicked. I thought, oh no, I have cancer in my brain and I'm going to die. I mean, clearly I, I reacted strongly So my symptoms resolved. I'm here. I'm well. However, in that moment, which became a threshold moment for me, I realized that if something was really, really wrong with me, it was my church family that I wanted to walk alongside me, to support me, to pray for me, to support Sam, to be there. And so that threshold moment helped crystallize for me what was most important. And my pain and my exhaustion suddenly became not so important because love, God's love, was at the heart. So let's look at this threshold moment of Jesus' prayer for his friends. When we hear this gospel read or when you read it yourself, some of the language can sound circular or repetitive. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe I just get lost in the words, but it appeared such to me. And so as I read about um, one theologian's perspective, um, he said that these words of Jesus directed toward God the Father are more like a meditative prayer than they are spoken words more like a meditation. Let me read you a few verses. Now that, excuse me, now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. Do you hear that flow? Another a couple of verses, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. I mean, there's a beautiful flow, but it's still, there's a repetition there that's fascinating. And as I reflect on these words, I think about some wisdom I heard Doug Carpenter impart one day. He talked about the Gospel of John, and Doug said, Remember that these words from the Gospel of John were penned many years after Jesus' ministry. They're from the perspective of an old man looking back. And so the tone we hear is sometimes of a musing or has a musical quality. It's stream of consciousness and maybe some asynchronous memories. So as we look at John chapter 17, what are the priorities? What is waiting for us to crystallize? What is the good news this day? Well, One thing I want to name in this is that we hear a worldview of John. As John relays the story of Jesus, we keep hearing about this relationship to the world, and that Jesus is not of this world. And he's not asking on behalf of the world. So it, it can be understood in that Jesus is removing himself from the world. But, but what I think is happening, rather than this alienation or separation from the natural world, from this earth, our fragile island home. It's not that. It's Jesus is holding up this socio-political construct, these worldly constructs, in contrast with the divine realm of God, that realm of wholeness and unity. Because the gospel, according to John, is highlighting Jesus's divinity jesus the divine is from that latter world not of this world where there is brokenness and pain and sin so he is not of this world and is calling us to be swept up into that divinity so secondly in this circular language of john chapter 17 i hope you take away A sense of an unavoidable interconnectedness between God in heaven, Jesus as mediator, and we humans. We see this in this repetition of give, giving, gave. Lots of gifting words. All that the Father has given Jesus has been given to his disciples and others around him. This giving and receiving, almost like a weaving, an intricate braiding of of bread into a beautiful braided loaf that you can't unbraid very easily. It's all stuck together. Through God's generous gift of grace, we are all connected, human and divine, woven together, connected with Jesus through his actions of healing and sacrifice, through his prayer and through his love. And then we are joined in ritual actions and our worship through Eucharist when we partake of the blessed bread and wine and baptism at the font when we repent our sins, washed with water and anointed with oil. Those are moments drawing near to this liminal space. We come closer to that threshold. So we are interconnected intimately. And finally, I want you to remember that Jesus prays for his followers. Now, he's praying for those in the ancient Near East around him, his disciples, but we can also hear those words ascending on our behalf too as we hear Jesus pray, Holy Father, protect them in your name so that they may be one as we are one. Protect them in your name so that they may be one as we are one. He continues, I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Those were Jesus' prayers for his friends and for us. Jesus prays for safety and protection so that they may not be divided in discord and so that they may remain united in God's love, with no one deserting or departing. Jesus wants joy and delight for his disciples. He knows that what they do is hard. And John, as he writes this, has seen how hard it it truly has been. And yet Jesus is praying for joy and delight for the disciples. And then we hear about the sanctification God empowers and sends the disciples out to share the truth and word of God through Jesus, not just a sanctification that sets them apart as holy and special and protected and better, but that commission of blessing and distributing them, sending them out, sharing the truth. So you get to take this good news with you today. We are connected with Jesus through his actions of healing and sacrifice, through his prayer, through his love, because love is put above all else. Now, while we don't hear it in chapter 17, the part that we read, if you keep reading a little bit more, you'll get to the love part. But you know that love is put above all else. And so we are sent out to show and share that agape that boundless and unconditional love. Amen.